Section 18 of Birds and Nature, Volume 10, Number 5, December 1901. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rhesus Monkey, Macacus Rhesus. It was in Simla that we first encountered the Rhesus Monkey. We had gone up to Simla to escape the intense heat of Bombay, and, refreshed by the cool air of the hill country, we were soon ready to make the expedition to the hill called Jaco. This hill is indeed the hill of the monkeys. It is eight or nine thousand feet above the level of the sea, and here lives a fakir who feeds the monkeys as they troop down the mountainside at his call. Undoubtedly there is no more mischievous monkey than the rhesus, but after all he's not altogether to blame, for the blame may belong to the Hindus. Some tell us that the rhesus monkey is sacred, others think not. But however that may be, it is a fact that the Hindus protect the monkeys in every possible way, willingly sharing their food with the bands which are found almost everywhere, and permitting no one to kill them. This fosters every mischievous trait in these monkeys, and they fear nothing from man. They will devastate every plantation and garden near them. They belong to that genus of the ape family called macaque, and as this variety, with their near relations, the other macaque, are found all over southeastern Asia, besides one branch in western Africa, one can readily see that their mischievousness becomes a serious drawback. The natives of Baca are said to leave one-tenth of their harvests in heaps for the monkeys, which come down in great numbers and carry away all that is left for them. And this they can readily do on account of their well-developed cheek pouches, these pockets in the cheeks are assuredly most convenient, but are never found on American monkeys. The old-world monkeys are the narrow-nosed variety, while the American monkeys have the broad-nose bone. Our rhesus monkeys had, of course, the narrow-nose bone. They averaged about twenty inches long, and the tail was half as long. Like all macaque monkeys, they were of sturdy build with legs of moderate length. In color, the fur was grayish or greenish on the upper part, yellowish over the hips, and white below. The tail was greenish above and gray under. The face, ears, and hands were of a light copper color. The mother monkeys were most assiduous in the care of their young, but in educating them, one of the most important lessons was to teach them to steal successfully. This the pupils learned with ease, and to find a rhesus monkey which could not steal would be a curiosity indeed. While in Simla, we were told of the oft-repeated story of Lady Barker's dinner. Lady Barker, desiring to give a dinner to a large number of guests, took unusual pains in the preparation of the feast. With her own hands she arranged the flowers, and in the most attractive manner were placed upon the table all the delicacies possible to procure far and near. When everything was arranged to her entire satisfaction, she retired to array herself for the reception of her guests. The servants were left in charge of the rooms, but instead of watching the tables, they deserted their posts to amuse themselves in a more congenial way. Imagine the surprise and consternation when, upon descending to the dining room, she found it filled with guests, but not those whom she had invited. A large band of monkeys had entered through the windows and were enjoying themselves without restraint. Poor Lady Barker had nothing left to offer her invited guests but the spoiled remains of her sumptuous feast. 
Her little lapdog, Fury, met with an untimely death by the hands of probably this same band of monkeys. The dog waged war on the creatures at every opportunity, but one day a large monkey managed to catch him and carry him along to its treetop. There the dog was tormented by all the monkeys, being passed from hand to hand, and finally thrown down a precipice. While the rhesus is an intelligent creature and easily taught while young, it is a question whether one really wishes this monkey for a pet, for when old, they become vicious and spiteful and can bite and scratch in a dangerous manner. In addition to the fruit and seeds which they eat, they are also fond of insects and spiders, and frequently large parties may be seen searching the ground for these delicacies. Professor Ball relates an interesting anecdote of these monkeys. He said that when at Malwatal, a lake where he spent a day, he was warned that when passing under a certain landslip which slopes to the lake, he would be liable to have stones thrown at him by the monkeys. As he thought this might be only a traveler's tale, he took pains to go to the spot in order to see what had given rise to the story. As he approached the base of the landslip, he saw a number of rhesus monkeys rush to the sides and across the top, and presently pieces of loosened stone and shale came tumbling down where he stood. He soon satisfied himself that this was not accidental, for he distinctly saw one monkey industriously with both forepaws push the loose shingle off a shoulder of rock. He then tried the effect of throwing stones at them, but this made them quite angry, and the amount of fragments which they set rolling was speedily doubled. This adventure caused Professor Ball to believe that there may be some truth in the stories related in regard to monkeys throwing fruit at people from the treetops, and yet, even about monkeys, it is not always best to credit all one hears. John Ainsley End of Section 18